And welcome into the show, Andrew and Quinn here as usual. You're listening to Mustache, the drinking podcast, where we have uh, beautiful upper lip hair. Wouldn't you agree, Quinn? Oh, yeah. I, mine's a little <laughs> bit unkept right now because I haven't trimmed in a while. That's exactly the word I was thinking was unkept. And I love, love that you said the word that I had in my head. <laughs> yeah. I, I need I can, to trim it. I definitely need to do that before my wedding that comes up in two weeks. Yeah, the wedding's coming up. Uh, I've seen you with your unkept mustache. And uh, Quinn, you've let it grow out to be pretty snarly. <laughs> I mean, it's not that bad. It, it's more bushy than I would like it. With there's There'd be whiskers going in every single direction you can imagine because... I, I when I met you was the time when you were getting in getting really into the the uh, mustache wax. So oh, you, you didn't you met me back when I had my my uh, Salvador Dali mustache. Exactly. So if you one day you didn't do that, it was very noticeable because it would be everywhere instead of perfectly done up. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Those those were the days where you could tell I was lazy and I hadn't looked in a mirror yet. <laughs> hey, that was college, right? There were mirrors in college. <laughs> and um, I, w- I wish I could do that. I've tried to grow out the mustache on the ends and let it like curl up. And I'll do it like play with it during the day to get it to stay up. But it's not thick enough to like <laughs> curl up and stay there. So, so it like kind of comes up. I was taught about facial hair and mustaches is that they go through two to four week cycles. You have two weeks of they look like garbage. And then two weeks where they look amazing. And then two weeks where they look like garbage. <laughs> and then what's after that? They just continue to look it, like it garbage or goes like back a, and forth? Uh, as it grows out. So okay. like, you'll hit stages where it just looks terrible as you're growing it. But for anyone who wants to pull off the Salvador Dali mustache, the trick is you don't actually grow out your mustache all the way. You, you cut it a little bit short of your top lip. And that way you can get it to stick up better. Quinn giving away the secrets today. Quinn, this show is all going to be about one of our favorite liquors, and that oh, is whiskey. whiskey. And uh, let's start out with what we're drinking today. I'm going to turn it over to you for first dibs on drinks. So I'm, let's do it a little bit different. Guess what I'm drinking today? Let's see. Uh, it's probably at least a 14-year, and... Uh, uh, it's on ice, which is a little surprising. Um, I thought you might drink it just neat, but it's on ice today. Uh, let's see. It's probably a Scottish whiskey. You're it's probably on two of the three so far. Oh, is it your um, is it your twelve year of Scott uh, twelve year Scottish whiskey that you gave to us two years ago at the fantasy football? No, Draft? but it is from the same brand, and it's a 10-year. It's not oh. like 10. Okay, okay. Which is I... multi, bold, smoky. It, it's just, it's got so many good things to it. It's everything that... One that I like chilled down a little bit more, because it tempers some of like the harsher notes to it. Granted, the, I'm not saying that Lafroy 10 is harsh. I'm saying it can get really kind of smoky and strong but once you cool it down a little bit you get a lot more of the sweetness from it which a room temperature 
glass of Lafroy, I wouldn't quite describe as sweet. I I don't think I'd describe any whiskey you drink ever as sweet. <laughs> Jameson. <clears throat> Tullamore Dew. Oh, okay. Okay. Those are your mixing whiskeys, though, correct? Uh, Jameson, yes. Tully depends. Okay. And you're drinking the 10-year right now is what you're drinking? Yep. Okay. Yeah, That's between not... this and the quarter cask, which is a uh, blended scotch. I'm fairly okay. certain. And I'm looking at them right now. So that's not bad of a price even for that, is it? No, it's not a terrible price. It's certainly, you know, it's an older scotch from a popular company. So there's some baked in price to it. I actually, my, my dad gives me a bottle every year for Christmas. And every year when Christmas comes around, I have half a bottle left from the previous <laughs> year. So I'm <laughs> currently playing catch up. <laughs> Do you have how much of this bottle? Is this bottle brand new? Have you opened it? How, how far have, are you on this one? I have a half bottle of Lefroy 10 and I have a half bottle of Lefroy quarter cask. Does he change every year? Uh, it's generally quarter cask. This last year, he he said he wanted to throw a curveball and got 10. Okay. And I have no issue with that because 10 is delicious. What is your favorite from that brand? Because there's a lot. I'm looking at right now. There's a ton of them. They and they get really spendy if you get get up there. <laughs> oh, I don't remember which one it was that we had uh, at the restaurant, but there was a Lafroig that we had that was phenomenal. I want to say it was like the 15 or the 20. I don't even know if those are actually ages that they have. They are. They are, they are. Quinn. Okay. I. Well, let's let's play a little game. I want you to guess how much the fifteen and the twenty cost. Um, are we talking euros, pounds, or American dollars? Well, I'm looking at. I believe this is in euro, so let's just try American dollars, and we can spitball general. Okay. And don't look it up. <laughs> well, that's unfortunate because I'm already on the site, but Damn it. <laughs> I'm only looking at the 25, the 10, the 25-year-old in a case, and the portwood. Um, so I'm going to guess uh, – let's say 200 euros. 200 for which one? The 15. The 15. So I have the 15 at 175. So that's probably about $200 US for a, it looks like a liter bottle. Yeah, they come in liters. That's a liter bottle. So, and now I want you to, I want you to guess how much their most expensive bottle is if you haven't looked already. Uh, I'm going to guess it's probably like, I mean, there's Pappy Van Winkles that sell for five grand. So, uh, two grand, thirty-five grand. Nope. grand. It is for a dollars. <laughs> God damn, you're right. No. Um, <laughs> let's see. There are. Let's lay, I'll just name the three most expensive. The the uh, Lafroy. Am I saying that right? 
I've heard it called Lafraig, Lafroig, and okay. I I have no idea what the okay. correct Gaelic pronunciation for Lafroig is. Or Lafraig. So the Lafraig is uh, the ninetieth and one hundred ninetieth anniversary nineteen year old bottle is. Does it come in a uh, box? It does. It comes in a display case box. Not a. It's that circle one that most whiskeys come in, and not a box. Oh, I see the box up here. No, it's not in a box. Okay. Um, it comes in that like circular one. You know, like most expensive whiskeys will come in the tube. Yeah, the tube. Yeah, the tube. This one is um about seventy eight or yeah seventy eight hundred euros per liter. So it's going to be just about. Eight thousand five hundred U.S. dollars, nine thousand U.S. dollars, and then we have the Lafroig. And why? Like, <laughs> okay, little rant here, which is a little weird coming from the guy who's drinking some Lafroig right now. But I happen, I, I'm gonna guess it's not worth the price. I think like, you're paying for the the 190th anniversary bottle partially. Yeah, <clears throat> but I agree, it's probably not worth the price. Like honestly, I would say the Lafroig 10 and quarter cask probably aren't really worth the price, but they're so good. And I also think of my dad when I drink it, so it's fucking worth it. I agree. I agree. There's a couple on this list that like that come with the box that I think might be, you know, oh, might be I something really cool. Want the wooden case that comes with the 25 year old cask drank 2020 edition. Okay. Uh, just because the box is pretty, and I'm a sucker for a pretty box. <laughs> um, so if anyone listening happens to buy that whiskey, keep the whiskey. Send us the box. <laughs> Quinn just wants the box. I just want the box, and I don't even have a reason for wanting the box, other than it's kind of pretty. Oh, okay. Um, I was wrong. I found a second page of whiskeys, uh, so let's restart here. Oh, Um, shit. I found a second page of whiskeys. That price of $9,000 US uh, is literally nothing. So let's go to the top three that are actually the top three. We have the Egg 40-year, which is a... um, 42.4% 42.4% and it is 16,000 uh, euros per liter. So that's probably going to be around $19,000 per euro. And then we have another bottle of the Froyag 40 year. So it year. would be almost cheaper to fill that bottle with liquid gold. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Just check. Yep. Yep. Um, we have another bottle, which is slightly more, slightly cheaper for no reason whatsoever. Uh, but it's the Air same quotes. exact thing. It's the same exact thing. Uh, they both come with a box that says 40 year. And then the most expensive one is a Lafroy 1974, 31 year old sherry cask. Yeah. See, sherry the, cask. The sh- the sh- sherry or cherry? Sherry with sherry. an S. Okay. That I would be interested in trying. There's three of them in the I top mean, five. I'd be interested in trying. Which well, is generally course. a scotch in a sherry cask. That sounds good to me. It sounds super good. And that one is 18... That one's 18,000 euros per liter. So that's going to be about probably 21, 22,000 US dollars for a 31-year-old 
sherry cask whiskey. And it looks amazing. There's a 27-year-old sherry cask, sherry cask. And then there's another one down here that is a 27, yeah, 1980. So I, yeah, I just, I don't quite understand it why they're so expensive like i understand why they're expensive i don't understand why you would pay for them <laughs> because you really want to just have that status symbol of i pulled out this whiskey yeah your entire bar would be built around this bottle right like that, that would be the centerpiece Adam, there is no i no way that's at your bar that is hidden maybe your bar in a corner behind eight things no, this is the one or that's in a behind glass a glass case. Yeah. <laughs> it's behind a glass oh. case that's locked at the top of your bar that's just within Damn, like right reach. It's locked. That's within just within reaching space. And you also irony of putting something super expensive in a locked case made out of glass. Just saying. <laughs> not much per not much loss prevention there. But there's a couple of these <laughs> God damn it. There's a couple of these on the bottom that look uh, good. There's the 10-year um, cask uh, strength batch, bottled 2020. There's the PX cask. I don't know what that is. Do you? I was just looking at that, and I was very confused. Yeah, what's a PS ca PX cask? If um... American Oak? And then in quarter cask before finally finishing in an ex Pedro Jimenez sherry cask. Interesting. Ah, Very. Well, that's how we get the P and the X. <laughs> There's the okay, then. four oak. And this lore one, have you had this before? This one looks interesting as well. I have not. I've only probably had three of them. <clears throat> the quarter cask the 10 and maybe it was a 20 or a 25 I, I don't whatever know. you had had when you were in Scotland or Europe right uh actually I don't know if I had any Laphroaig when I was I probably did when I was at that wonderful wonderful hostel <laughs> that had a hundred different scotches at its own in hostel bar but that was oh. If you want to try, I know they had Glenfiddich. Did they? And a couple other ones. Yeah, and it was all like two pounds of glass. Oh, it was amazing wow. prices. Wow. Like even for being in Scotland, it was dirt cheap. That's. But it was uh, budget <clears throat> backpackers hostel. If you're ever in Edinburgh, go there. Definitely it's a great choice, just for the bar. Marvelous. <laughs> and they have a restaurant. They have a bar that's exclusive for people staying there, and it's not like it's a hoity-toity thing. It, it's a fucking hostel you're staying in. It's got weird bits that make you feel like you're simultaneously in the 90s, <laughs> the 60s, and like 2030. <laughs> <laughs> well, definitely try Laphroaig, but we'll move on to my drink today. I'm drinking it out of this very cool glass that I bought a couple years ago. It's a Kentucky straight bourbon glass. Uh, it's made out of a bottle. I still am not 100% <clears throat> sure. Oh, it's Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey. But I do not know. It's Eagle Rare 10-year Kentucky straight bottle. So it was made out of the bottle. They cut it. So it's the bottom. It's a very heavy glass. I love this glass. 
drink a lot of my uh, liquor out of it, have since I was in college. But what I did today is I took that cold brew Jameson that we bought the, a couple weeks ago, and I'm just doing it on the rocks today, just to see how it how, how it is on the rocks. Um, taking a couple sips, but it's been uh, watering down exactly how I like it. <laughs> so I will, uh, I'll give it a little sipper here. Opening up those flavors a little bit with that water. So, yeah, I was poured a lot longer before Quinn's, but, ooh, oh, this is interesting. So, it was harder right away, obviously, but now that it's watered down a little bit, that bite is kind of gone, and what comes through really hard is that cold brew flavor. So, what I'm really tasting is mostly coffee, and honestly, big fan of that. So, I think, if I understand how this works correctly, Quinn... They're using a lot of spices and stuff to get that coffee flavor in there, right? Because that's what's coming out when you put the water in. What do you mean a lot of spices? Well, what, what do you, you said it pulls out the flavor. How, what is it doing when it pulls out the flavor of the water? So when you throw the water in, um, there's oils that are in any alcohol, and those oils contain a lot of the aromatic flavors. Once you throw in a little bit of water, it separates the oils and the alcohol a little bit more. Okay. And so it makes that those oils a little bit more palatable. Ah, okay. Uh, when I just mean that you can taste them a little bit more clearly. Ah, so not spices, but oils. So they're using that. They're using using oil to make that um that make that coffee flavor come through. You can still taste a little bit of whiskey behind it, but it really leads with a with a coffee flavor all over your tongue, and I'm a big fan of it. I haven't tried that one. I did try their. Uh, they had like a beer cask one okay. that came out a couple years ago. That was pretty good. Was it like a stout um, cask, right? Yeah, I'm fairly certain. I actually I went to a bartender appreciation uh, party thrown by Jameson in the Twin Cities, hmm. and it was pretty nice. It was like mostly free drinks and food and lots and lots of Jameson. <laughs> so shout out to Jameson for that. Not a sponsor. Oh, thank you. Thank thank you, Jameson, if you want a sponsor. Could be. <laughs> I, I am a quote-unquote certified Jamin, Jameson taste tester. <laughs> I got a piece of paper to prove it. You and... I'll oh, never mind. <laughs> Four people out of every single tour that goes through the Jameson distillery. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. Yeah, so it's good. I, I, Quinn, would you, what would you recommend if you're going to buy this? You know, Because there's four bottom... Uh, you know, they're not bottom shelf, but I'd say bottom shelf. There's the Laphroaig Select, the 10-year, the quarter cask, and the triple wood are the four uh, cheapest. You can also go up to the lower, and the four oak are kind of down there near $70 or less, maybe. So so I'd say if you like something that is super peaty, so lots of smokiness to it and that distinct scotch flavor, quarter cask. Okay. Because that is up there mm. with some of the peatiest I have tried. The 10 mm. isn't as peaty. It's a little bit more mellow, a little bit sweeter. I think it's a little bit more expensive as well, if I'm right. Yeah, it's actually significantly more to go with the 10 over the the quarter cask. Interesting, okay. The quarter cask is 52 euro and the... 10 is 88. Oh, wow. <clears throat> so quite a bit of difference, 
I that makes me even happier that the quarter cask is my favorite <laughs> because that is my brand to choose the cheaper whiskey that is delicious. Um, I actually, so I learned an interesting thing when I was in Scotland. I can't say how true it is, but I was, um, oh, it was, I can't remember the name of the bottling company, but it's the oldest independent bottling company in Scotland. Um, and I was talking with a the guy there for probably like two hours because he was surprised that this American kid knew scotches. It's <laughs> like I went in and I asked for an easy drinking scotch and he handed me something that was fine. It was easy to drink. He didn't understand what I meant by easy drinking. <laughs> I, I meant like full of body flavor. It made me want to finish that glass. Um, and when, when I said, it was like, no, 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 the Isle, that, that's what I want. And he was like, that is not easy drinking. But regardless, uh, he and I got in a conversation about the age of whiskeys and at what point it just becomes gratuitous. And his opinion that he shared with me is anything over 20, maybe 25 years, you're no longer really paying for the blending of the flavors that you're getting. It's just that they've been sitting on it for so long. And yeah, they're going to taste really good. Um, I can't say I've tried many things over 25 years, and those that I have were delicious. So take what I'm about to say with a grain of salt. 10 to 15s, I think, are the sweet spot. I think it mellows really well. I wouldn't go with anything under 8. Um, they do sell some 8-year-old, uh, like the Glenfiddich 8, I believe it is. I think it's their brand. Not certain. Um, but yeah, if, between the 10, the 15 year mark, that's where you're going to see the best boom for your buck, in my opinion. And if you ever want it to taste like it's been aged longer, go buy yourself a uh, two liter cask for your house. They cost $30. And the nice thing about them is because of their volume to surface area, uh, the amount of wood that the alcohol will come in contact with, they age generally 10 to 12 times faster. Would you recommend and a certain some of wood, Quinn? Oak. Oak, okay. Uh, if you can find a mini cask that's had like a port or a, a beer through it, that's also really good. Um, my actually like goodbye to my casks that I, I do at home is my final time aging. I throw mead into it for two months. And what you get out of it is imagine a honey whiskey. If you flipped the ratio of honey to whiskey. So it, it, like it isn't as sweet as a honey whiskey, but it tastes more like honey and finishes with this really like, round whiskey flavor. And there are, <clears throat> just taking a look on Amazon for you, you know, it ranges up. You can pay a good, good pretty penny for this, 200 bucks or so. But you can also find one that's, you know, all of $35. And I believe the two that I have had, both of them were engraved because they were given to me as presents, 
one I know was like $40 with engravings on like carving in the wood. And the other one I think was somewhere around that mark as well. And honestly, it doesn't, don't buy a $200 one. At least I don't, I can't imagine it would be that much better oak. Unless it's bigger, right? Right. But then you're going to see that your aging time goes up. This is true. So that's why I like my really small casks at home. They don't have as long of a shelf life and you will notice the angel's cut. Um, so the angel's cut is lingo and whiskey for the alcohol that evaporates away f through the wood or like out of it. And then the devil's cut is what's absorbed by the wood. Um, and then what's left is our share of whiskey. Uh, so you just have to make sure if you get a little cask that you pay attention to it. Don't let it go, you know, a couple months without checking on it because the saddest experience you'll ever have is going to pour yourself a glass of that, that whiskey from that cask that's completely full and there's nothing in it. <laughs> it was empty. Are you serious? <laughs> I'm not bitter. Oh no. <clears throat> now some of that was on me. I probably didn't properly soak the cask beforehand. So it started to absorb the wood. It was also in the middle of the winter in Minnesota. It gets really dry here. That's going to increase evaporation, increase the devil's cut because that wood is going to dry out fairly quickly. So, sadness. <laughs> and there's no way can you can you save the angel's cut? What is it? It evaporates through the wood and out into the atmosphere. Well, it just yeah, it evaporates into the air. Man, there's I don't think there is any way to save that unless you're literally putting it into like a freezer to age. Hmm. Interesting. But then it's not going to really age right. It's going to be weird. Maybe we have to try that. Maybe we should age a bottle, a barrel <clears throat> in a freezer, chest freezer. Yeah, and see if we can catch that angel's cut condensation. All the... but even then, we shouldn't be really catching anything because there'd be no dew point in the air because it would be below freezing. Interesting. I wonder if it would change. It would definitely change the flavor of the whiskey a touch. Right. Like, so last night we were going to record this episode, look behind the curtain and I had poured myself a drink and just to keep my ice from freezing, I threw it in the freezer and hmm. we didn't end up recording last night. So I checked on it today after work. And so most of it had frozen whiskey included. It had separated the, the water from it, from the alcohol. And I decided to try a sip expecting it to be, you know, burn your face off because alcohol, pure alcohol. Pure alcohol, yeah. It was actually insanely sweet. Um, hmm. That was also the Lafroig 10. So that, that gave me some ideas for interesting things you could do with it. And we'll, we'll see what we can figure out. Doing a little bit of research here, talking about that angel share in kind of like a perspective kind of thinking. <clears throat> consider all of the amount of scotch made in the entire world. Uh, <laughs> what I'm reading here, 29 million gallons of scotch are lost each year to the angel's share. And just to understand how much scotch that is, it's 44 Olympic sized swimming pools. Can you imagine Olympic sized swimming pool filled with scotch? Just, just side note, that would be un unbelievably unbelievable. Crazy to see. 
<clears throat> it is all the. I feel like that would make me really sad because that would be so much scotch literally down the drain. That's what happens every single year, 45 times over, 44 times over, just because of the air taking out, taking it out of the casks. <laughs> so there was, I think it was Jack Daniels uh, a while back came out with their Devil's Cut whiskey, um, which yeah. the whole point of that was that they they squeezed the barrel to to get it back. Um, I, I don't know how much of that is true, how much of it is actually, you know, barrel squeezed. <laughs> Do you think if you squeezed every barrel that you would get all of those, all of that out of there? Or, <laughs> I mean, I feel like you definitely get some liquid out of it if you put it under just an insane amount of pressure, but, but you're also going to be pushing out oils from that wood and other moisture. I, it also probably wouldn't be alcoholic anymore if you just squeezed a barrel. But that could be all the flavor to that whiskey while you... Right. It was a super oaky whiskey. Like, it was not not bad. It was not my favorite. And it... I haven't had it in a while. But it certainly wasn't bad, and it was an interesting whiskey. And it was Jim Beam, right? Maybe it was Jim Beam. I thought it was Jack Daniels. Oh, Oh, yeah. But okay. I have no idea, two, in all honesty. Two mass-produced lower-shelf whiskeys either way, right? So, you know, definitely a thought for the Devil's Cut there. I don't know if you could even get that out of, like, a two-liter two cask. You'd be drinking wood oils at that point, like yeah, you said. Just don't do it. Actually, it's you know, worth it. you could do it. We want to see. S send me a video. Send me a video. Take us on social media. Don't listen to Quinn. He's the voice of reason here. Don't listen to Quinn. Just uh, just squeeze the barrel right into your mouth, and I want uh, send the video to us. We'll post it on our page. We'll even tag you, and uh, you can come on the show probably if you do this. So uh, you're definitely coming on the show because I want to hear about it, <laughs> and I also want to hear about how much it costs you to do this, <laughs> and how much time and effort did you put into this. You... And then finally, was it worth it? Well, obviously it was worth it, Quinn. Come on. Eh, I mean, it could be. <laughs> I'm not saying it won't be. I'm saying it may not be. And uh, like I said, we're talking about whiskey today. So we'll move on to our next topic. Quinn, we just talked about you know, when aging becomes like it doesn't matter. We're thinking, i probably agree with you, that 10 to 15 year range. Get up in the 20s, maybe 25, anything after that. Even that is probably overkill. What are we looking at? Let's just get gratuitous. Um, so next, I just had a question for you. Do you know what whiskey specifically is? Defines a whiskey. I want to say malted barley. If that was a malted whiskey, yes. Hmm. Okay. A whiskey, um, by definition, is made from distilling fermented grains. That's all now, liquor. Is it not? Have we had this conversation I, before? Sorry, Quinn. Go ahead. I think so. <laughs> so that that doesn't really like that definition. I feel it doesn't narrow it down because <laughs> we're just talking about grain alcohol. Mm, Everclear. Yeah, so we've excluded rum. We've excluded wine and brandy and grappa the hell's grappa oh grappa is disgusting personally it's it's made from the remnants 
of the winemaking process. So all the rinds and other Ew. stuff that that are left behind from the, the grape juice that was squeezed out, that gets fermented into grappa, um, which is apparently <clears throat> really popular with vintners. I've had a bottle of it. Okay, I was gifted half a bottle of it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, because the person who had it was very angry that they possessed it, so they <laughs> left it with me. I tried it, and I passed it along to someone else. And you else. were angry that you possessed it. <laughs> I was very angry they left it with me. I was nice enough to let them into my home, and they left me with grappa. <laughs> um... Yeah, so whiskey is technically defined as something, an alcohol made from fermented grains and then distilled. So that, that'll separate it from beer. Um, it goes back as far as ancient Mesopotamia. What is that, Quinn? Ancient Mesopotamia? Ancient society? Yes. Like one of the first. Okay. Basically, like, the genesis of human civilization. Ah, so we're looking at, like, 1000 BC? Somewhere around okay. there? Uh, I am not the history guy in our group of friends. <laughs> at least not with dates. I can tell you about things. I can't tell you about dates. Let, let me look this up. Oh, Jesus. I'm sorry to all of my high school history teachers... You, you, you taught me nothing. You taught me a lot of things. I forgot many of them. Um, so... Uh, 3100 BC. Okay. So they made whiskey. Yep, they likely... They distilled... Uh, some sort of grain alcohol and aged it, making it effectively a whiskey. Do you think, in your humble opinion, do you think it tasted more like a bottle of of uh, rail whiskey or Everclear? So it was probably more like a rail whiskey, oh, I would assume. Interesting. Okay. Um, it was probably lower proof. That's something you see a lot with like historic alcohols and historic alcohol recipes. Granted, not all of them. Um, they tend to be lower proof. Um, for instance, wine in Roman era times apparently tasted disgusting and was super low proof or super low ABV and would often have spices like clove, anise, um, and other things mixed into it to make it good. And so the mark of someone who was wealthy at that time was what they could afford to mix into their wine, not the wine itself, to my understanding. Okay. So um, can you try and list off as many types of types of whiskey that you know? Okay. It shouldn't be terribly hard. Um... Bourbon, does that count? Yep, bourbon is one. Bourbon, we have rye whiskey. We have yep. um, American whiskey. 
That's kind of uh, a, yeah, kind of a bourbon is upset. an American whiskey. Um, there is another type of American whiskey called Tennessee whiskey. That's right. Yeah. Tennessee, Kentucky. Is that bourbon? Uh, yes. ah, okay. Um, Irish. Yep. Scottish. Yep. Scottish. Um, sake. It's technically a whiskey. Oh, it's well, a wine. That's wine, isn't it? Yeah. Sake is a rice Damn it. wine. Uh, there is a Japanese whiskey, though. Yep, but there are Japanese whiskeys. Um, how many am I missing that you're thinking of? Or are you just trying to test me? Uh, there's also Canadian. Oh, shit. I love Canadian whiskey. God damn it. <laughs> oh, a bottle of Crown is always in my cupboard. Damn it. Uh, there's a wheat whiskey. Oh, yep. Wheat whiskey. I've heard of that one. Um, I can't really think of any other ones. Yeah, I, I think we covered good. the major yeah. ones. So do you know what makes something a bourbon? It has to be, uh, damn it, Quinn, there's rules to it. And I, there, it's, yes, there it, are. It, At least in the U.S. There it are. doesn't have to be done in that county, right? It doesn't have to be done in Bourbon County, right? Correct. Um, the, the answer is it has to be 51% of something. Uh, is it corn for that one? Yeah. yeah. Bourbon is 51% corn. Nice. Now, extrapolating from what makes something a bourbon, what makes something a rye whiskey? It has to be 51% rye. That would be correct. Uh, how about a wheat 51% wheat. That would also be correct. <laughs> um, Tennessee whiskey, which is really similar in like in terms to like bourbon, it's also generally made from fifty-one percent corn. However, it goes through a charcoal filtering process. Okay. Have you had a Tennessee? I've never even seen this on the shelf. Uh, so Tennessee whiskey, I'm fairly certain that uh old number seven is a tennessee whiskey okay so jack daniels old number yeah. seven other than that though i don't think and also a rye whiskey cannot be distilled to something above 80 percent. yeah yes yes <clears throat> that's right uh so rules around like scotches a scotch comes out of Scotland. A scotch-style whiskey comes out of anywhere else. Uh, scotches are generally known for their smoky taste, their peatiness. Um, this goes back to, in Scotland, they had grain, and they had one source of fuel that was super abundant. Trees are not necessarily, like... I'm not going to say aren't super abundant, but at the time they were a more valuable resource than simply to burn. Uh, burning peat moss was much more effective. It would burn for longer. It would burn pretty much just as hot. However, it did burn super smoky. Um, and so in drying out their grains to make scotch traditionally, it was dried out uh, above a peat moss fire meaning that it got smoked by this peat moss, which gave it a distinct, smoky, peaty flavor. Which, it, it, 
I would say it's an acquired taste. Would you agree, Quinn? Hundred percent. Yeah, the first time you have a real Scottish whiskey, it puts some hair on your chest. That's all I gotta say. <laughs> yeah, the first time you have it, in my opinion, you either love it or you hate it. That doesn't mean you'll always hate it. But like it's different if say you've only ever had Jameson or an Irish whiskey whiskeys that are generally known for a lightness and a sweetness to them. And then you take a sip of something super peaty and you've been slapped in the face by moss. <laughs> Accurate. And you, you, you just don't quite know what to do. And that is personally one of the things I love about scotch is that slap in the face with the smokiness and just, the strong flavors in it. And then slowly as you drink it, you start to notice the more subtle sweetnesses. Um, but I don't think you ever really get the same like depth of fruitiness in a scotch that you will with an Irish whiskey. I think Irish whiskey kind of holds the pinnacle, in my opinion, of being able to pull fruitiness out of the grain. Hmm. Uh, so that's actually one of the big things that separates Scotch from Irish whiskey is Irish whiskeys often will use some kind of vessel in between the grain and the flame itself or the heat source to prevent smoke, um, from essentially mixing itself into that grain flavor wise, which I joke that. For instance, Jameson does this. Uh, they, I believe they have copper vessels that they toast their grain in to dry it out and get that, that richness to it. Hmm. Uh, and they do it in there so it's separated from the fire so it doesn't get any smoke on it. And I joke that they do that to prevent flavor. God damn it. Is that unfair? 100%. <laughs> But this is also coming from the guy who picked the Johnny Walker at the end of the Jameson Distillery Tour as the better whiskey. Um, <laughs> we just asked them to be a sponsor, and now you're dragging them through the mud. How could you do this to us? Because I want Johnny Walker to sponsor us. Please, Johnny. <laughs> please. That would, be, that would be good as well. That would be good as well. Yes, okay, I'm on board now. Right? <laughs> It only gets better. <laughs> but that being said, I do really like Jameson. It's, it's just a, I give it a ton of shit. It's just a good whiskey. It's just so popular, and it's it's honestly a super easy whiskey. Like yeah. Going back to our first episode when I said pick something that's maybe not exceptional but exceptionless, that's Jameson. Yeah. It, it's not going to blow anyone's socks off with, oh, my God, this is amazing flavors and – Oh, is this like a cherryness to it? And I get a little bit of like sherry in the background. It, it's good. It's sweet. It has a fruitiness to it and it mixes with almost anything. It is so versatile. Whereas if say I had a bottle of Laphroaig 10 at my bar, I would look at it and I would go, Hmm, I'm not going to mix you. <laughs> <laughs> And then grab something else. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. You could, but please don't. You could. I've I've had a Bloody Mary made with one. Have you? And 
I have okay. uh, one of my old cooks. He he would get a he hated Bloody Marys, but he loved the Scotch Bloody Mary that he and a bartender at the bar came up with. And it was like every weekend he would get that. He'd come into the kitchen, make me try it every weekend. I was like, God, I hate Bloody Marys. I love Scotch. Why did you ruin something so good with something so bad? <laughs> was it was the drink bad? No, it like it was not like if you can get over the fact that you hate tomatoes in my case and tomato is 90% of the drink it was delicious <laughs> and it actually kind of helped having that smokiness that sounds that, good i'm not going to lie like it almost reminded me of a fire roasted tomato oh okay in a way because it had the, the, like flamey elements to it if that makes sense Okay. The it seemed like fire had been there at one point, kind of. Just the it floated. The it, it was walked by a fire, basically. Yeah. Yeah, we've hit on all of them. What are we moving on to next, Quinn? So, whenever you hear people talking about whiskeys, you hear a couple of things thrown around a lot: single malt, single grain, blended, and one of my biggest beefs is that whenever you hear someone say it's a blended whiskey. People like whiskey snobs will put their nose up at it. Okay. This isn't all whiskey snobs, but like generally when you hear someone talking about a whiskey, what sounds more impressive? Single malt blended. I have a single malt scotch in front of me. I have a blended scotch in front of me. You're going to grab the single malt. Right. And I actually disagree with single malt being better. It depends on the flavor you're looking for. Very true. And so, do you know the difference between a single malt and a blend? So, single malt is malted over one type of malt, or once it's malted once. And a blended is a combination of two different kind of whiskeys. It can be from different distilleries. It can be from different places, but it, it's, it's a blend of the two, correct? Correct. And a blended scotch can only be rated as old as its youngest ingredient. Yes. Um, for instance, so I have a bottle of special scotch. It's actually kept in a red cloth bag, kind of hidden away. It's in a 750 mil bottle. It's actually from that uh, bottling company that I talked about earlier this episode. Um, and that was a 25-year-old blend. Wow. Wow. And it was made from only whiskeys or only scotches from distilleries that had gone out of business. Yes, you've mentioned that before. And holy shit, it's so goddamn good. And I am so damn angry that it's almost empty, especially because it is a 51% scotch. Wow. It's astronomical. ABV wise. And I can tell you when I first got it, it didn't taste like it. Now that I've had it for going on almost a decade. Oh, Jesus. It's starting to taste a little bit more like it's got a lot of alcohol. In it. <laughs> <laughs> Which I actually expected it to go the other way because of the angels cut. But time makes fools of us all. 
Jesus. Jesus. Interesting. Blended whiskey is a very interesting topic because, um, you know, whiskey distilleries will sell their whiskey under different people's names. You talk about the Sam's Club and the Costco brand whiskey. You know what Costco is, right? Oh, um, their bourbon was Maker's Mark. I'm fairly yeah, certain. So they're paying the maker. They're paying a distillery. Um, we think it's Maker's. Quinn thinks it's Maker's Mark. So we think it's Maker's Mark. And they blend it. They put it as themselves. And in that case, they buy so much they can sell it for a cheaper price. But when you have blended whiskey, you can omit the name of the distillery that it was made at or the name of the um, other place. So I, I've read before that it is place in the whiskey business for companies to just buy barrels of whiskey, mix them, and say, this is our barreled whiskey. This is our blended whiskey. And then just sell it as is. Oh, yeah. And after having 90% of whiskey on the market is a blend. Yeah. And it may not have been their whiskey. May, they may have bought just an old stock from someone else. Oh, we'll buy you out. And then they just mix it into theirs and they go, this tastes okay. Sell that. <laughs> I can't remember the name of, I believe it's a Canadian company. But most distilleries, when they're getting off the ground, the whiskey that they produce isn't their own. They actually buy from this uh, manufacturer in, again, I think it's Canada, and they just bottle that under their name. And that's why after about five, 10 years of brand new distilleries popping up, their whiskey suddenly gets so much better or so much different because they've had time to distill their own and then age it. Yeah. But to open up, it's pretty hard to have a business that doesn't have revenue or a product for 10 Five years. Five to 10 years. <laughs> right. Like, I, I don't know about you. I don't think that there's much about that business model that would work. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm running it through in my head and nope, nope, I'm out of business and I'm bankrupt year two. Well, Quinn, we're not rich, so it nope. could work. You just drain money into it until you hit year five. And then you turn out this beautiful five-year whiskey and you sell it on the market and it blows up. And then you make all your money back in the next five years. So it's a 10-year plan, but you have to start rich as hell, which neither of us are. <laughs> <laughs> which this actually kind of brings us into our next topic in a roundabout sort of way. What do you call an unaged whiskey? Um... Ah, oh, don't tell me yet. Wow, I just read this today for research. It's going to taste... It's just going to taste like malted barley, but I don't know what it's called. Is this a joke? I mean, or wheat, or... Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah wheat or, or corn or whatever. So they're called white dogs. Okay. Oh, because they're clear. That's what you were getting at. Okay. Yep. Yeah, they're, they're clear like the vodka. And they are intense. <laughs> Um, please elaborate. <laughs> so I've had a shot of, or like had a sip of straight ever Wisconsin Everclear yes. before. Burn your eyebrows off. Strong. Yes. I've also had white dog, white dog whiskey. That is also burn your eyebrows off strong. <laughs> like, uh, I, I had a friend who he kept a bottle of it around 
he called it his bottle of liquid happy. Oh God. Because you, you would take a sip and you instantly felt it. (laughs) It it was just cause and effect immediately. Oh no. And I've always thought it would be cool to take a bottle of white dog and then age it in your own cask at home and essentially produce your own whiskey. Interesting. Okay. I've thought this has been really cool for about five years, and for five years I haven't done it, so it shows you my follow-through on that, but <laughs> we'll give it another five years, and in 2025, I, I'll throw it in a barrel. Hopefully. Maybe. Probably not. Maybe. Probably not. <laughs> but... Yeah, probably. I, I can't imagine... Does it, does it taste... It tastes like whatever it was made from, right? There's no like true whiskey flavor to it. It yeah, it it tastes like alcohol. Closer. Honestly, I I don't quite have a taste for moonshine, but moonshine white dog pretty much the same thing. Okay. okay. Moonshine's going to be stronger, I believe, but don't quote me. Well, I'd hope so considering it's specifically made to be to, you know, make you forget the last week it's made to kill brain cells yeah pretty much (laughs) oh man yeah i I never quite got a taste for white dog i've only had it a handful of times and it's fine fine (laughs) it's great from it's great in coke can you because you can only taste the coke Pretty much. <laughs> well, you've got to put like what? A third of a shot? A tenth of a shot? You walk the shot past. There it. you go. Yeah, you walk the shot by <laughs> and then you drink the Coke. Perfect. Now now we're on that the being path. said. <laughs> I'm not I'm not gonna shit on my dog too much. It's honestly not that bad. And it's kinda cool to me that this distillery is able to sell straight up unaged whiskey. How much does it how much what percentage is this? Uh, let me look up White Dog. I haven't looked this up in very long, ever. Ever. Probably. Is the correct answer. So, you Google White Dog and just get a lot of pictures of dogs. (laughs) I did the same thing. I did the same thing. It's Buffalo Trace whiskey is what it is. Very interesting. Okay. Well, this is one of them at least. Tasting notes. Sweet aroma with a slight burn fucking liars the corn coats the tongue with oil and vanilla i don't think you're getting any oil in this <laughs> i mean it would have some oils in it i can't 125 proof so what is that just a little strong. 62.5 i i thought it would be stronger i don't know why you know this isn't the brand of white the buffalo trace isn't the brand that i tried okay now I swear by Buffalo Trace being a distillery that makes a good product pretty much across the board. Buffalo Trace rye is probably my favorite rye whiskey. No, that's a lie. Bullet rye is my favorite rye whiskey. And then Buffalo Trace isn't far behind. Speaking of rye, I did just get a bottle of tin cup whiskey. Have you had it before? I have... I think I know we had it at the bar. We had a hundred different whiskeys at that bar. So it was 
it's hard for me to remember what I've had that we had. So you don't know? You don't remember? I think I had. You don't remember if you. I know it comes with that that metal cup on top. Yeah. Because I definitely have one of those cups that I took from the bar. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, I suppose if it's a bar, it just keep. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. Right. We we'd get it and we go. All right, who wants it? We're we're gonna throw it out. <laughs> we're gonna, we have shot glasses. Throw this out. There's a ton of white dog whiskeys. Why have I never? I guess I've just probably looked right over it as just moonshine. Nope. Just been like, I'm not gonna buy this. Yeah, you saw this clear whiskey and you went, I'm gonna grab the brown one because it looks like that one developed correctly. <laughs> <laughs> this looks wrong. Let's move on. <laughs> this is clear. That's supposed to be vodka. <laughs> Makers Mark makes one. Uh, Rocktown Distillery makes one. It looks like Heaven's Hill. Um, Benjamin Pritchard, Hudson, New York. Death's Door White Whiskey. That is the one that you got to buy. <laughs> yep. Oh God! And the original Moonshine is considered considered White Whiskey. Very interesting. Okay, we're getting stuck up on Everclear and white whiskey now. What else we got on the agenda, Quinn? Uh, so we have a kind of up-and-coming type of whiskey, and this is Japanese whiskey. Um, they're compared a lot to types of scotch, uh, much more mellow scotches. I believe that's Midland scotches. Uh, let me just double-check my notes here. Lowland scotches and spy side style scotches. Hmm, interesting. So it's a smoother and sweeter um, kind of whiskey, though it does have a smokiness to it. Mm. I've had the, I believe it's Yamazaki 12, which is a perfectly good whiskey. Um, it's a good scotch style. I wouldn't put it in my favorites. I'm definitely glad I tried it. I'm certainly not disappointed in it okay. by any means. It's not quite my taste in whiskey, I guess. Okay. Um, but again, it is towards the sweeter, more delicate style of scotch, which isn't necessarily the kind of scotch, at least at that time that I leaned towards. Now I find myself leaning towards the more mellow scotch is a little bit more. That being said, I still love my, you know, I had a bottle of double black on here. What a month ago. Yep. So I, I can't really say I don't like PD scotch anymore. <laughs> Cause that's categorically untrue. Because obviously you, you have, you do. Um, I've tried a couple. My roommate last year um, is part Japanese and he would buy, sakes every once in a while and he's a big spender when it comes to liquor so uh we definitely had some spendy bottles of uh johnny walker in that house that he would um freely give out he swore by the johnny blue didn't johnny he? blue yep he every he yep. always has a bottle of johnny blue in his freezer always he made me look cheap with my love of johnny blue. always <laughs> and quinn i tell you that is one of the best whiskeys i've ever tasted in my life it's so good it's so smooth blue is really oh good. it's so good but he bought um if i'm if i remember the bottle correctly it's the suntory toki whiskey uh it's a japanese blended whiskey 
it was okay. it, it was good. And I it was it was a little stronger than I was expecting. I think the bite was a little you know it got gotcha you if you weren't ready for it, and I don't think I was. Um, but it had a good, good it had a good whiskey flavor to it. You know they really I do think that they are a strong contender around the world of you know just buying this for a whiskey flavor. Oh, I think 10, 15 years from now, Japanese whiskeys are going to be a hell of a lot more popular than they are Interesting. now. Interesting. I think that they're going to continue developing more styles and techniques and you know, come up with some really cool things. I, I wouldn't go so far as to say that they're kind of recreating other styles of whiskey right now because they aren't. They're kind of fusing different styles together. And I really want to see how these Japanese whiskeys progress. And like talking 10, 15 years from now, those are whiskeys that are being distilled today. Yeah, they're making them today. And that, that, that's what we just have to fucking wait. I, God damn it. <laughs> I do think that is pretty fascinating when you think about some liquors and uh, the fact that, you know, that bottle that you just poured in, poured into your glass it started 10 years ago and what, that was 2010 can you it just it doesn't the things that are coming out now may have been started 10 years ago you know i think that some of these different the like the coffee creation things i think that you know the whiskey's older and the additives are newer but you talk about right because that's more of just an infusion as opposed to like being brewed with it. Exactly. So if you, yeah, you look Distilled at with it. Look at these 20 or 18 years like that is that was 2000. You know, that was a long time ago. That's a crazy long time ago. Right. That when that was distilled, its distiller didn't have to go through TSA. <laughs> oh, oh. Oh, oh god. We're uh Quinn, that's the wrong month to <laughs> Oh shit. <laughs> Actually, 20, 18 years? No. Yeah. 19 years. And well, yeah. 12, 20, 20 days or so. Uh, yeah, yeah, about there. Uh, I can almost drink. That, that, that whiskey can almost drink. Well, this took a really sad <laughs> turn very quickly. And like we said... Um, Oof. That's about that's about as old as you should be buying, you know, unless you're unless you're trying to flaunt that six thousand dollar bottle of whiskey that's locked behind your bar. Uh, you know, that twenty years about is about as old as you should venture toward for that. Right. Like I I've tried I'm fairly certain it's Pappy Van Winkle. Um it's like a sixteen hundred dollar bottle. Oh my god. Oh right. yeah, right. <laughs> And I uh, drank some of that with one of the owners of the restaurant because um, he had special ordered one in. And because we're a restaurant, we got it for like less. <laughs> less is probably close to $1,000 still for that bottle. <laughs> I still think it was less than that. I, I don't want to specifically say the price because I don't want to screw any restaurants that happen to serve it because that bottle is going to sit there already for like five years. Yeah. <laughs> well, How many people are going to want to pay 
a lot for a shot. But like, it was, don't get me wrong, it tasted delicious. It was really smooth. It had a really robust flavor. It had so many different levels to it. Um, but was it worth that much? I mean, that I'm going to leave up to you to decide. Well, you also have... Um, if you really think you can taste all those flavors and, like, get the most out of it, and you're really that much of a connoisseur, do it. Embrace what you love. Um, but recognize that that's a really fucking expensive bottle. And, you know, we don't understand, so maybe you should send us some so that we can try to and then come on the oh, show... Please and sponsor us and maybe fly us out to meet you. And I don't know, but we'll do whatever you want. <laughs> I will fly out there to get the bottle <laughs> from you. Uh, you know, I'm looking here, a couple online stores, 4,000 or 33, 3,400 for the 23 year and 1,600 for the 15 year. Those are expensive bottles of whiskey from a, Yes, they From a are. family reserve, it says. It's not even a big yes. it's not a big whiskey company. That that's that's part of the, the allure of it, is it's a rare whiskey. Um so kind of like we talked about um in previous episodes with kind of building a bar on a budget and talking about wines and how a lot of the really like expensive wines, you're not necessarily paying for quality or paying for mm -hmm. rarity. That also plays into whiskeys. Because you get into your older whiskeys, like that Lafroig 25 could be from the exact same batch that was sold off as a 10. But that barrel of it didn't. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it progressively makes itself more rare. And especially like now the, the Pappy Van Winkle whiskey, that that is an artisan whiskey. I'm just going to say. They... That's an artisanal whiskey. It's that good. But the rarity mixed with that, I think, just makes it astronomically expensive in a way that I personally don't see worth it. I would love to acquire a bottle of it someday in my life and then have it stare at me and be wasted because I feel bad drinking it. I I just I don't know. I just that's just funny because I feel like it would hurt you every time you touched it. You'd be like, "No, no, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. Just sit there and exist and remind me that I came across you." Right. That it's like a wedding whiskey. Oh yeah. Like you, you you take a sip your wedding night. You take a sip the birth of your child. Yep child's graduation from college and when your child gets married and then you have them finish it when you die yep <laughs> like, yeah. yep <laughs> uh yep that's that's about that that is a generational kind of whiskey <laughs> yep and then you, you do not get rid of it ever and then your kids get the bottle to show off and go Dad cared more about this bottle than he cared about us. <laughs> I mean, that would be untrue, but still. This is what he gave me in his death, and he was chugging it as his as his heart stopped shrinking. His heart 
He just asked for the remainder of it to be poured on the casket. I want it to distill. Bastard wasted it all. I want it to distill on me. Oh my god. It's just so excessive. Just expensive. Oh, old and rare whiskey is just fascinating. Just a fascinating topic. Good god. Right? Like, honestly, I think if. I were to have never opened up that special bottle of scotch that I have, it might be worth a pretty penny right now because it was made from, it was five or six scotches that were all minimum of 25 years old from distilleries that had gone out of business or been sold. None of them. So all the distilleries that it had been like their product had been used for it. None of them went out of business because they weren't popular. They either closed because the distiller just didn't pass on the recipe. They got bought out by someone else, by a competitor, or something else happened. Um, And there was one barrel of it made. And at most, I think it was like 200 bottles would ever exist. Wow. And Quinn, if you were to guess... How much is that 750 milliliter bottle worth? Full, unopened. Today? Today? Not a clue. Not a clue. I can tell you what it was worth when I bought it. How much it. did you pay for it? I paid 25 pounds, equivalent of $50. Jesus. That's a steal. Yo, Are you kidding me? I mean, it's the most expensive bottle by volume I have ever Did bought. Did you shake down the employee? What the hell? No, I, he and I, like, we spent probably a good hour tasting different whiskeys before he was like, okay, so when you say easy drinking, you don't mean anything along the lines of easy at all. <laughs> <laughs> Which is correct. <laughs> yep. You know, I was in there with one of my good friends, the the guy who, uh, the white dog guy. Yep. And so when, when the guy walked away for like the third time, just out of frustration that like this lowland whiskey, and then he brought a Highland whiskey. And I was like, I mean, that's not bad. I ended up buying actually a bottle of that Highland whiskey for my sister as a present when I got back. Okay. I don't think she's actually open to hers. Oh. I don't know for sure. Um, she's not a big scotch fan like I am. She really loves bourbons. Okay. I'm not as big of a bourbon fan. Okay. Um, but so he was giving me shit because he was like, you realize he's never going to come out of here, come out here with the right whiskey for you because you don't, he doesn't understand what easy drinking means to you because you don't use it right. <laughs> You've said that wrong. <laughs> What you mean is you want a whiskey that will slap you in the face. <laughs> Most people don't consider that easy. In a positive way. <laughs> right. Oh, okay. Like, I want to be slapped in the face by smoke <laughs> at that time period when I drank a scotch. And quick. So what is, if you had to pick, like, from the first whiskeys you really liked... What was your first, like, this is my whiskey whiskey? Like any kind of whiskey? Yep. So, like, when you, when you started, when you were 21 and 
you were fine. Like you were able to, you know, start trying different things and you found a whiskey and it was your whiskey. This was the whiskey you had. Did you have, did you have one of those or is that? It's gotta be crown. And it's not, which crown, you know, I'm a big fan of mixing. I, I mix most of my drinks with pop just because, you know, going through college, it's easier to drink something when it's not straight. You you know what I mean? So, yeah. I, I, I yeah. So I'm not, I, it was, you get weird looks when you're sipping a whiskey yeah, meat. Yeah. So like I really delved into when I was, I loved drinking whiskey mixed drinks always. And, uh, you know, I don't know, like you, did you have a phase when you drink like cheap whiskey at all? Or did you always, you know, have a flavor for, did you always have a palate for this PD kind of more expensive whiskey? Um, so I'll answer that question when I tell you what my old. Okay. Okay. So is. when I started, um, you know, I would ask, I go to the bar and I'd be like whiskey diet and bartenders will give you a, a look of confusion when they when they go the it's it's usually are you sure <laughs> are are you sure you want that are you, our our shelf with our our rail whiskey is this and i'm like yeah okay and then they'd pour it and make it and i'd be like well, it's not bad it's okay because you know i think crown has a really good flavor just regular crown i think it has a great flavor for mixing drinks i think it's one of the best whiskeys you can grab at all for mixing mixing drinks they make a couple older um the xo is a, a great taste to it as well the xo crown um and i really liked apple crown i really liked apple crown because apple crown and sprite was so easy to drink and it just had a great flavor to it i thought um so you yelled at me i think it was like two three months ago because i told you i had never tried apple it's crown so good i tried it. okay it reminded me of an apple jolly rancher in all the like all the good ways <laughs> is this a good thing <laughs> yes like that's why i clarified in all the good it's, ways it's just it's just a really good mixing alcohol it it, it's just whatever you mix it with it flavor the flavor it has pushes through to the forefront and that's what it tastes like and i just really like that i have you ever tried the crown maple i haven't and i've heard this before and i really want to try it yeah the only complaint i have about it is if you take a shot of it you will smell like pancakes for a week (laughs) If that's a bad thing, that's not. If that's a bad thing, <laughs> you will also taste pancakes for about a day. Again, not not necessarily a bad thing, but like <laughs> when you start to sweat and your sweat smells like pancake, <laughs> people get concerned, <laughs> right? <laughs> Especially myself being a, like a larger guy. If I just straight up smell like pancakes all the time. <laughs> There's a lot of concern here. <laughs> now, alone. is that worse than smelling like whiskey? No. No. I would rather smell like pancakes than whiskey because... This yeah. is true, but I'd like a third option. 
Okay, so yeah, those were probably my. Would those... like to smell like my Old Spice, please. <laughs> so those were probably my two. We'll try. We'll move the question on to you, so you can answer my my mid answer question. So your mid answer question is: Yeah, I always kind of had a taste, I guess, for like the a little bit nicer whiskeys and stuff, um, which I blame my parents for, okay. because they were big believers of when I was growing up. You know, give me a taste of what they're drinking. And their philosophy, they told me, was if I go to a house party in high school and everyone's drinking Kharkov and just <laughs> shitty alcohol, I'm going to try it and I'm going to go, mm, well, that's not good. <laughs> I'm all right. I'd rather enjoy it. So, And that is specifically what they turned me so into, they- someone who, who likes to enjoy their alcohol as opposed to chug it and get smashed. They ruined you, basically. Um, yeah, but that being said, I'd, I'll give you three guesses what my go-to like first whiskey was. Your go-to original whiskey? Jameson. Nope. I'll give you a clue. It was 101 proof. 101 proof? No, it was 102, I believe. It was over 100 proof. Really? Oh, man. Yep. Um, is it made in the U.S.? Yes. It's a Kentucky straight bourbon. Man. Oh, I was wrong. It's 103 proof. It's not... Oh, it's not Jameson. It's made in the U.S. Is there flavoring to it? Um, not really. Uh, I have no idea, Quinn. I've never even heard of any fighting cock whiskey. <laughs> Do bars have this whiskey or? Uh, I have been in a bar that had fighting cock and I ordered a glass of it neat because they had fighting cock. Look at this bottle. This um, is amazing. It, it's a kind of pretty bottle. And for being 103 proof, it tastes like it's 103 proof. <laughs> <laughs> it's spicy? It's a spice whiskey? Uh, you know, one of their big selling points is that it is two proof stronger than Wild Turkey 101. Okay. <laughs> Which I think is part of how they got the name Fighting Cock as a joke about Wild Turkey. Oh my god. Don't, I have no idea if that's actually a thing, but I would like to believe that that is. Oh my god. Um, yeah, it. I have mostly seen Fighting Cock used in kitchens for cooking as a cooking bourbon. Interesting. Okay. So basically, you burn off all the alcohol and you get those those flavors of the bourbon itself, of the mash. Which looking at, it's a 75% corn, 13% uh, rye, and 12% malted barley mash bill. It's only aged for six years. That's actually not bad. And it sells for about 20 bucks. I can I saw that. The price point was pretty, pretty well on for that, a starter whiskey. That, that was the reason. And... <laughs> Now, 
do I recommend this as a whiskey for you to try when you're first trying whiskeys? No. Nope. <laughs> Have I given it to people as an introduction to whiskey? Yes. You're an ass. <laughs> I am. Oh it was a terrible mistake. They never tried whiskey again, to my understanding. Oh, no. <laughs> um, granted, I, haven't, I didn't talk to them not a whole lot after that. No, we just kind of, our friendships drifted apart. Um, yeah, I, I, at least, no, I mean, it was probably knew them for another year or so. I was joking. After don't, that. don't explain that situation. Move on. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I never heard of them trying whiskey again. Oh, God. Yeah. No, if, if you were to say, give someone a recommendation of what should your first whiskey be? What would it be? Um, okay. Well, most of our listeners first whiskey was probably fireball. And that's really not, I would say, yeah, most, I think most kids, when you talk, not kids, most young adults, kids don't, kids drink. don't drink. Most young adults getting into their drinking phase, try easy drinking, easy shooting liquor. Uh, that has flavor to it, which I would not say is fireball. It's it's an easy shooting liquor. Oh. Yeah, I think it, I popular. I disagree, but for go on. for for that age group, definitely. I think it's popular to mix. Into oh things. no, I've seen Quinn. I've seen people just take that bottle and drink it. They're, they make a bag of fireball. That's a thing, like a wine bag. Did you faint over there? Is, it, is that how much distress you're in right now? I mean, I, I did the like blink eyes really fast, <laughs> like 12, 15 times as you said that. And then I ran out of words. <laughs> yeah. It's like a, it's like a box of fireball. Anyways. So <laughs> uh, I, I think that is probably your first whiskey you tried unless your parents drink whiskey, unless there was whiskey on hand somewhere around when you were growing up. And your family was like ours were that well, my parents didn't give me expensive stuff, but you know, it's, it's, if you can have some of what we're having at home or you can have some at home because we're at home and that's how, it, that's how it works. Don't. Right. I, w I would like to clarify. I wouldn't say my parents gave me like expensive stuff to try, but good stuff. Um, but like, it wasn't rare. Yeah. That 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 was the difference. It was it was not on the bottom <laughs> shelf. It was up. It was there. mid shelf. It, it, yeah, it wouldn't be what you would find at most parties yeah. necessarily. Exactly. I mean, granted, to me, I think most people's first whiskey that they probably try is Jameson, really, or Jack Daniels. Jack Daniels and, or Fireball, I, mean, I think, are the two two of them. Ah. Uh, no, I, I mean, maybe I'm completely wrong here. I think you really underestimate how popular Fireball has been in the past, like, eight years. <laughs> oh, I believe I know how popular Fireball has been in the past eight years. There's tons of cinnamon whiskeys that are popping up now and well, had been popping up, too, because mm -hmm. of it. But... I, I always thought of it more of 
like you you put into your burning orchards um and different mixed drinks and stuff like that whereas like my thought is you're probably if you're trying your first whiskey it's a whiskey that your whiskey drinking friend has and that's probably going to be one of two things in the u.s one of three things worldwide like the three most popular whiskeys are johnny walker jameson and jack daniels i okay you're you're still talking about expensive whiskeys and when you start drinking when any person starts drinking they cannot i wouldn't put them i guess i wouldn't put them as expensive whiskeys but i see what do you see but they're about the same price as Fireball. Yeah, but you're not reaching for the bottle that's nice and looks like looks like it's like whiskey, right? But you hear Jameson and yeah, Jameson a, immediately as a non-drinker, you even know Jameson Irish whiskey, everyone drinks this. I'll yeah, that. Yeah, you you know that, but you know here I'm on, on some of my research we found in 2018 Jack Daniel's number 1 I think that is above and beyond one of the number in the top two of what you're trying. Crown is number two on this list. Number three, okay. yeah, number three is Fireball. Fireball. And really? uh, I, it's, it's just the thought of uh, what are young drinkers trying to do? Get fucked up as fast as possible and as hard as possible because Americans binge drink. And uh, what do typical that age group drink fireball is one of the huge popular drinks in that age group jack daniels another huge popular uh drink in that age group we go down a little bit jameson's number five so i definitely think that's a it's a very popular one it's got jim beam on here you have to think about going to the liquor store and finding the cheapest thing on that shelf and oftentimes that is your fireball i still think i could find one cheaper I'm certain fighting cocks. Yes, it, it is, but you're not. Oh God, that I'm honestly surprised that's not more popular because if someone, yeah, if someone pulled out a bottle of fighting cock at a party, I, there's no way I'm not trying that. You know what I mean? Like it, it's called fighting cock. Of course. Give me a shot right now. Let's do this. Oh, yeah. It was a conversation. Exactly. Story. 100%. I agree. <laughs> like someone, someone asked, Oh, what you drinking? Fighting cock. What? What? <laughs> You heard me. <laughs> no, I'm afraid I didn't. You, you're drinking. Here's your fighting. Here's cock. your shot class. Go ahead. Oh. <laughs> yeah. No, my my favorite way was fighting cock and root beer. God damn! I'm gonna have to get a bottle of that and try it. I'm gonna or have to. fighting cock and Mountain Dew was another popular. one. Of course that I did. you did. That's right on point with 21 year old Quinn. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Except it was Mountain Dew Throwback. Oh, the best Mountain Dew. Or Pitch Black. Uh, no, Voltage. Voltage was good. Voltage. God, sugar. I'm getting a sugar rush just thinking about it. Quinn, we've been on here for a while. So let's wrap this up a little bit. I know one of the last topics you wanted to talk about was uh, uh, how do you spell whiskey? Uh, W-H-I-S-K-E-Y. <laughs> and uh, uh, in my research... I've um, I've found it typed W H I S K Y, uh, but I I haven't seen it spelled without an H. You said it exists. <laughs> yeah, I've 
I've seen it spelled without an H and I don't understand. I don't know. I I think it's just American whiskeys that do it without the H. God, we're dumb sometimes. <laughs> yes, the two of us are very dumb sometimes. <laughs> we're we're in the group, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> I the correct way to spell it was with an H and an E, but that is that is the way Americans spell it and the way the Scottish spell it. The rest of the world spells it without an E. So, Okay. And Well, I'm going to continue putting my E in there because I like the Scotch. Yeah. Which I'm just going to bring up one last thing. One last bit of trivia before, before we sign off for the, for, the, for the episode. What country... Well, what English-speaking country? Because I only know the laws in the, in the English-speaking countries because the only ones I could actually read it. Okay. What country has the most lax laws in regards to whiskeys? And then which country has the strictest? Of English-speaking countries? Yep. Um, It's not us, so it's probably... Uh, I'm going to say Canada. For the least yes. strict? Incorrect. It's actually That Ireland. was my second guess. I, Irish whiskey would have been my yep. second guess. And then the U.S. has the strict. Yeah, I was going to – because there's so many different kinds, right? That's got to play into it. Yep. Yeah. In Ireland, you can sell a, something labeled as a scotch that was never made in Scotland. You can label something as a bourbon that is under 51% corn. It's just a lawless wasteland there. I, I, I think they get less caught up with the names of it and more, you know, whiskey is whiskey. Appreciate the whiskey. Hmm. At least that's, that's how it was explained to me is it, it's less about, you know, over not necessarily over-regulating, but making it so difficult and like fitting everything into groups as opposed to just the overarching, like even whiskey itself as a name. Yeah. It, it means so many things at once because just look at the number of different grains you can use to make a whiskey. Now, granted you get different types depending on the grain you use, but they're all whiskeys. Yeah, no, this is true. And uh, Ireland has great whiskey as it is, so they must be doing something right there. Yeah. Well, Quinn, with that last bit of trivia, uh, I am not surprised at all that this is our longest show <laughs> because I'm pretty sure we could have talked for three hours on this topic. But probably <laughs> with that, we will bid adieu to our whiskey episode, and this is hopefully going to start a little bit of a series here and we're going to delve into a little bit more of a in-depth look at a couple different whiskeys here in the next few episodes so definitely stay tuned in the next coming weeks as we delve into different kinds of whiskeys that you can go try and we will give our favorite recommendations for each in the upcoming weeks um i don't know if we'll be able to try them because uh we're poor but we'll definitely give you uh, some options for you to go try these different kind of uh, country